This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to the Jason Kavnis Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. The Jason Kavnis Experience is brought to you by Kavnis HR. At Kavnis HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people across the United States. Did you know the small business loses $27 billion per year because of bad HR? What comes out to around $10,000 per small business employee? And also, small business owners are spending 25% of the time on HR. Time better spent taking care of the customers, taking care of the employees, and building their business. Kevin's HR, focus on your business. We've got your HR. For today's episode of the Jason Kevin's Experience, I'm going to replay a podcast I was on called the Dave's Hit Podcast. It was a great conversation with David Ewing. We talked everything HR from performance management, job search, labor market, equal pay, and other, other topics. I might, talk, I might take on several different topics. So this is a great talk with David Ewing um, from Dave's Head Podcast. So be sure to check out his podcast. He's getting started. He's just getting started out. He has a, a great format, a great podcast. So here we go. All right, so so welcome back. So you know we're, we're talking about a, a lot of things today, and and when you look at coronavirus and this this climate that we're in right now, it's kind of transformed the way businesses operate, right? So there's you know layoffs, firings, furloughs, all those things have happened in the last number of months. But on the flip side, there's actually been a lot of hirings. If, if you look at the the medical industry and some other needs during this pandemic, there's actually been a segment of the job force that has seen a bump in openings and hirings. But the, the struggle is real out there. You know, 2.3 million people submitted new applications for unemployment last week. And that's the 16th week in a row where claims have exceeded 1 million, which is just a staggering number. You know, 33 million Americans were getting jobless benefits as of June 20th. And today is September. Today is July 9th. So that's, that number right there, 33 million Americans, is five times the peak of the Great Recession that we experienced in 2008, 2009, whenever it ended. But on the flip side, things are, are kind of improving since that peak in March, early April. But we're kind of in that, that, that nervous time. We're kind of like, here we go again. We've got spiking cases all over the place. Um, and that federal aid that the PPP is actually expiring. And so it could put us in a situation where layoffs and firings ramp up again. And so talking about the, the industry and, and hiring and firing and what we need to do during this time, and just the job market in general, I want to bring in uh, Jason Kavnis. And so a little bit about Jason. He's a uh, retired U.S. Army officer who served 25 years, including eight years as an enlisted member, CEO and founder of Kavnis HR, host of the Jason Kavnis Experience, master's in human relations from the University of Oklahoma. I don't know if they have a uh, like role sooner or something like that, but we'll find that out in a second. And he's SPHR certified, which I'm sure he'll explain what that means. And yes, for the third week in a row, or third episode in a row, I should say, he is a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Now, I know I've kind of gotten some pushback a little bit from my, my audience. You know, you keep putting these, these fraternity brothers of yours on, but guess what? I keep, like I said last episode, we make some good brothers, so I, I, I can't help it if I keep finding good brothers of, 
to come on and, and speak on different topics. One of my favorite things, I think the favorite thing about him, as I got information on him, was his personal motto is be great every day. So welcome to Dave's Head, Jason. How's it going? Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I gave a, a couple bullet points about you, but you know, kind of dig into the details of who you are, what you do, and uh, what your expertise is. Um, so my expertise is like, one thing I like to I like, I like help other people succeed, right? Like, you should be happy when other people succeed all the time. Uh, I, like, I like connecting people. Also, I'm a little of the company, a nonprofit called Bunker Labs. So Bunker Labs, we have military veterans and military spouses to start companies, right? Because there's stuff out there for, like for helping military veterans find jobs or mental health, but nothing really helped them find jobs to, to um, start companies. Like after World War II, like 80% of military veterans started companies. Now it's not like 10%. So we help them with that. And the biggest thing we do is like entrepreneurship is not for everyone. We have to decide, this, is this really for you? If it's not, quick, you find that, that it's not for you, the better, the better it is for you. Okay. So, so talk about the, and you might be able to plug this later, but you can do it again as well. Talk about the Jason Cabinets experience. Yeah, so it started like two years ago as a Cabinets HR podcast, as a way to market my company. And so I've done like 155 episodes so far. And like when I first started out, I didn't know what I was doing. Like it was horrible, you know, like maybe like 20, 30, you know, downloads per week. And this kind of grew and grew, you know, I was, I was, I was kind of aggressive about it. Because the thing is, and you'll learn as you do your podcast, everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has something they, they want to sell. It might be a book, might themselves. Everyone wants to, you know, sell something, right, so to speak. And so now then in January, I changed the Jason Cavage experience to have more like a Joe Rogan thing, right? Mm. When I first started the podcast, it was like 20, 25 minutes because I didn't know how to edit, right? It was taking like three to four hours to edit one podcast, right? But now I learned the tricks. Now it takes me like 30 minutes to do like edit an hour and a half podcast, right? So now I, I'm doing like in-person, more in-depth, like one, two-hour talks with people. Um and I do, I think I do the job of pushing us. I'm over social media. Like I put it on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, even TikTok, Instagram. So I'm up to like 1600 downloads a day right now. Wow. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not there yet. So speaking of five, you said just your 155 episodes, this is my fifth. So <laughs> we're, we're just getting started here, but yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll grow to where you're at one day. Yeah, the big thing is to be consistent, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so talk about uh, SPHR certified. What does that mean? So, so it's, it's called a, a senior professional human resources. There's like several certifications out there. There's, there's a new one is APHR assistant primary human resources. And, and so they're done by an organization called HRCI. And they used to be under H, society of human resource management, but a few years ago, there's a big fight, or whatever. So now you get a, you get the HRCI certification is the, the APHR, PHR, SPHR, or you can get the insurance certification. It's like it's a, it's a new ball of wax, so to speak. And it, it depends like how many hours of work you've done, what, you, what your organization is. And for the SPHR, it's like a fifty percent pass rate for it. It's like a three hour three hour test. And the, and the thing a lot of people mess up. Like people try to study for you can't study for it. It's more theory, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can study all you want, but it's more theory. You have to know the theory and stuff, right? Okay. And that's why people, some people feel like that, you know. But but supposedly like. Um, when you see job descriptions, like 90% of HR jobs want say you have to be SPHR qualified, but only 10% of us are SPHR qualified, so the numbers don't match. And another thing too, for HR person, I've learned a lot of like senior v- HR people, like VPs of Microsoft, VPs of Exxon, all these big time HR people, a lot of them have stopped getting certifications like a long time ago. 
So it's almost kind of like a, I want to say a, a scam for them to make you pay your money. But, you know, once you get to center level, a lot of people don't do, do it anymore. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So let's, uh, let's get into some Q&A. Um, to, to start with, you know, I've been talking about the labor force and talking about the job industry and, and the numbers are, are crazy. Uh, 30 million people have consistently reported claiming jobless benefits through their state, according to state unemployment offices for weeks now. And like I said, the number was 16 weeks in a row. Claims have exceeded 1 million. So in your view, how's the job market and what areas or industries do you see hiring right now? So one thing, let's say someone's thing first. It's never easy to find a job. I don't care how the economy is. I mean, back in December, with a perfect economy, not a perfect economy, no good economy, people were like saying, oh man, I can't find a job. I'm doing 100 resumes. It is never easy to find a job, first of all. So, I mean, is it harder now? Probably so, but it's, it's never easy. Like no one can just pop over and find a job. I mean, some people can, but the average person has a hard time finding a job. And like you talked before, people are still hiring. And I'm sure they were sure this, but I, I did a seminar like about a month ago and I, I sent a link of 70 companies that are hiring, like a lot of healthcare, uh, Intuit jobs, Amazon's doing a lot of hiring, a lot of software tech jobs are doing hiring. I mean, there's a lot of hiring. I mean, even like uh, DoorDash delivery services are hiring. Now, if you're a restaurant, probably not, you know, but people are still hiring because a lot of business owners, they're looking right now and they're also looking at the future. You know, they're, they're trying to plan worst case and best case scenarios. Got you, got you. So, and, and I am planning to share that. So I wanted to get your permission on that anyway. I did take a brief look at it, so I'll definitely share that on my uh, all my social media. Um, but so speaking of the the kind of different areas that people are hiring now, those who are retaining their employees, working from home is the new norm. So how has that changed the market? You know, considering DoorDash is an outside thing, but with the working from home industry, how has that changed the market? I think it's a good thing because it's forcing, I think, I think there's a lot of, you know, for lack of a better term, old time traditional companies, right? Oh, you have to be in this office nine to five, you know, and now they're learning, well, hopefully they're learning that, you know, no, your, your work is still do more, either equal amount or even more amount of work at home, right? And one thing I think is interesting dynamic, when this is over with, you're going to have some companies that will say, hey, you know, Jason, you know, come back to work, you know, at the office. And I'm be like, okay, so I proved I can do even more at home, right? And off track, and don't forget, everyone's working from home. When we say remote work, we didn't think, you know, work from home, take care of your kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So a lot of people aren't really working at home. They're working at home and being teachers and babysitters, you know, all that kind of stuff. So just talk about strictly remote work from home. So I'm be like, oh, so you want to, so I, so I feel like I can work from home and even increase my productivity. You want me to drive an hour to work, spend eight hours in this cubicle and drive an hour back. Are you kidding me right now? Like, no. And I think it's an interesting dynamic. Now I've had some people tell me, well, if the workers do that, the company would just say, well, there's so many people unemployed, I'll just let you go and bring someone else in, right? So there's like a two-sided corner there, right? And I, th I think a lot of companies are too, they're going to find out how much money they can save, right? Do I really need to spend like, I don't know, $10,000 a month on this office building? Do I really need that, you know? I mean, it's going to be interesting dynamic, you know? Yeah, and, and the, the crazy thing about it is uh, we are so much more productive, at least in, in, for my team and in the area I work in. I mean, we're, we're up at 7 o'clock logged in. We're on still at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., and we're just, you know, you don't have that commute time, like you said. You don't have to worry about but dodging traffic. A, a commute that might take a half an hour, there's an accident, so now it's a two-hour commute. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. No, but one, one thing important to realize, too, remote work is not for everyone. So you got to have some kind of process, you know, 
is Jason really a good, a good remote worker? You know, has he done projects by himself before? Or is he a type of person? Do I need like direct supervision? Another thing too, like, I'm sure you know, it's like, like I'm an introvert. So I love this, right? I love Zoom. I love introverts. But I have like, some extrovert friends and they are having hell right now. I mean, they're going through it, right? The extrovert. So you got to play that apart. So maybe you do a hybrid, like two days in the office, three days, you know, I don't know. But you definitely, remote work is definitely not for everyone, I don't think. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a hybrid type of guy. So I can, I can be in for two weeks straight or I can be out on a town every day, you know, kind of goes back and forth. Now, the challenge for me every remote work is like, I like remote work, but I really can't do it because right? I'm, I'm at home. Every time I get up, I'm eating, I'm making myself a, a, a something to eat. I'm like that full meal deal, eating ice cream. I'm at home at two o'clock. I'm taking a nap, you know. So sometimes me being at home isn't the best. So I definitely got to do the hybrid thing. Yeah, I've, I've had a couple of conversations, probably I think on my podcast too, about the difficulties of being at home and my normal workout routine and going to running and playing football and that type of stuff that I still do. It's just, it's just not happening. You know, I've kind of got to force the, the workouts or force the run because it's just so easy to get up, take a shower, work out day, and then relax and repeat. So shifting just a little bit, one of the things you do and you mentioned is you help people start their own businesses. So what advice can you give people thinking about changing careers or, you know, also, can you speak to the pros and cons of taking that opportunity, especially in this economic and health environment, to if they're looking to step out and start their own business? So actually, people might not believe this, but this is actually the best time to start your business. Go back to 2008, companies like Instagram, Airbnb, you know, Uber, all started back in the, in the great, great Depression, right? Twitter, right? So now is the time to, to do it, right? Um, and some people say, well, I can't leave my secure job. Well, how secure is your job really, right? Like, you know, how secure is it really, right? At least you start your own business, you have control of yourself, right? And, and the thing about starting a business, a lot of you have these great ideas. Ideas don't matter, it's execution, right? Trust me, whatever idea you have, at least 10,000 people have the same idea and work on it, right? But can you execute it, right? Another thing people mess up on too, they have this idea and they'll build like a product. Like suppose they build an app. They build an app, they tell no one about it, no one knows what they're doing, Oh, this app's the greatest thing ever. And they release it and no one buys it, right? Because they didn't do any customer discovery, right? So you definitely got to help people idea. And and talking to your mother or your husband or wife or best friend doesn't count. <laughs> you got to talk to people that do not know you, right? Just randomly, you know, be somewhere. Or you really can't do it now, but randomly go to somewhere and talk to them, right? Like when I started my, my idea for Kevin's HR, I talked to 331 people that like found a small business owners I didn't know and just talking about the business, right? Because people who want to help you out, right? But definitely, but you definitely got to research. Another thing too, if you start a business, there's no such thing as being Mark Zuckerberg in six months or Elon Musk in six months. Like the story I like to tell is like, first one, Facebook, like, you know, quote unquote, made it like 2008. He was interviewed. Mark, what's it like to be over next to sex? Well, if you count the six years I, I decoded in my dorm room, well, yeah, I'm overnight success, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't realize Apple didn't become Apple like what, after six or seven years, right? I mean, it's a long process. And if you're married, you definitely got to have your spouse on board, right? Because if, you, if your spouse is not on board, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult, right? And I don't, I don't mean like your spouse says, oh, do what you want. I'm satisfied. They're going to be behind you because you're going to be spending. Because not only are you going to probably quit your job and take some money off, you'll be spending money, even more money after that, right? right? So it's, it's a long process. It's not for everyone, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and, I, and then if you're like, you're, some people, I'm going to start a company because I don't want to have a boss. Well, you might have a boss per se, but your employees are your boss, your customers are your boss, you know, your board advisor, your boss. You got to realize that too. And then other people, oh, I don't want to work 40 hours a week. Well, no, you're going to work like 80 hours a week, right? Because you're, you're always doing something. 
and then, and then like you might take a vacation, but you like I can like the other day I went to a friend and we went to a cigar bar for like one to five on Tuesday night, right? If you work with someone, you can't do that. But of course, was I in the office Saturday and Sunday all day long? Yeah. So there's some pros and cons. Yeah, it's you know it's the 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 blood equity, the the wallet equity. It takes all that stuff. I mean, you can't just say I'm going to quit my job, start a business, and then retire in six months. It's 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 it's, it's going to take time. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people think that though. Yeah, yeah, and they needed talking to from from your podcast. But um, all right, so in the in the I, I call it the Rona climate we're in now. Um, getting back to you have a boss and work anniversaries come up. How do you suggest? someone approach an annual review and potentially even asking for a pay raise in this climate? So first, if you work for a company that's doing annual reviews, that's probably not the right thing to do. I mean, this the, the 1980s is over with, right? I mean, you should be getting feedback on how you're doing like constantly. And if you're not getting feedback, you should be asking how you're doing constantly, right? Because, you know, the year review thing is just out there. I, mean, I, don't, I don't agree with that. A lot of HR professors don't agree with it too. Um, I mean, some of those like three, six reviews, there's plenty of ways to do it. And into the pay raise, for the pay raise, what your, your company should be doing, they should be. I know there's a lot of companies out there. They'd be like, okay, like suppose I work for Dave. Hey, Dave, can I have a pay raise? And Dave might say yes. He might say no. But what Dave should be doing, or the owner should be doing, they should be based it on your performance in the labor market, and not on if someone asks you right. Because um, we're talking about equal pay for a little bit. We kind of talked about pay raises. So there's also about equal pay. So there's a law passed in 963 that says equal pay is a law. How there's a lot of stipulations. Like one stipulation is like if the guy's been for 10 years and the female one year, they can have different pay, you know, different things like that or different schooling. But back to the pay raise and, and the equal pay. So stats show if like a guy and a female, a male and a female get hired at the same time, both make $50,000 a year. Nine, stats show 95% of the time the guy's going to say, I, I, I'm worth more than this. I want more. And he's going to get a raise. So instead of making 50000 he makes 60000 Stats show 95% of the time the female is going to say, thank you very much. And so off the bat, instead of 50-50, it's 60000 to 50000 A year goes by, they each get a 10% raise. And then, of course, 10% of six is more than 50000 And then how that ties in pay raise, stats show that men, no matter, they might do the most insignificant thing. Oh, I did this great thing, but it's really minor. They're going to ask for a raise. Oh, I turn a report on time. I need a raise, right? So they're constantly asking for raises. And female stats show never ask for raises. Like, oh, I'll be recognized for my work later on in the road, right? And that's not the case, right? And so I just think, I think if you're an owner, you, you need to do like raises and all that kind of stuff based on your labor market and performance versus people asking for performance reviews. Because you think your performance review, I mean, hopefully everyone does a good job, right? So yeah, I think you have to base on your labor market. Yeah, this is my opinion. No, I mean, that's, that's a good opinion. So before I got into uh, consulting with my own company back in 2004, I think it was, I worked for a company and, and I was constantly getting two, 3% pay raises. And, and I remember there was a year I got employee of the year from my division or my department and I got a 1% pay raise. What? And, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, that was, that was it for me. I was like, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. So yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Most companies have no rhyme or reason, no like, I don't want to say scientific method or logical reason. They have no like reason, no like thought process, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so last question uh, for this segment. Um, so where do you see the job market and growth potential for the rest of this year going forward? And maybe could you discuss, there's a, there's a thing in, in the package you gave me uh, called job search realism. 
Um, could you discuss that maybe in that context? Yeah. So the job search realism is you got to realize like on average, and this is like pre-run a day, so it speaks probably harder than this. On average, is each job is going to have 250 applicants, right? And then only 2% of them get called for an interview. So there's a lot of people out there that they'll get called for an interview, they don't get a job, and they'll get, not, and they'll get like, you no know, down themselves. So I didn't get the job, blah, blah, blah. But you should think of it as a success because you're 2% of the 250 you, get, you know, got called to interview. Mm. Also, people need to realize the interview process is, is so subjective, right? It's, I mean, it could be anything. For, for example, it could be, um, like, for example, me, when I was the HR director at a college here in Seattle, Everyone has one thing. I realize, everyone has their biases, right? Whether they're good or bad. So, I mean, if, if I was hiring for a job, like two or three applicants, if the military veteran, you know, okay, I'll put them ahead. Now, if they don't not qualify, I'll put them ahead. But I, you know, I'd give an extra look, so to speak. When I was in college, I was president of my university my senior year. So, if somebody's a student of government, oh, okay, uh, you know, that's like a plus for me. You know, so everyone has these plus and minuses. The only way you're going to know people's plus and minuses or the biases if you're networking. And you know what's going on in the company. So like I tell like people like who are like, suppose you want to be a marketer or HR person. I tell them, don't, don't be a marketer, learn, pick a business you want to join. Right. Like whether it be a manufacturing or design, pick a business or industry you want to join and learn that business and connect with that business. Right. Versus oh my HR person, I want to find an HR job. Right. You gotta, you gotta learn that business and you have to network. Um, Cause people will do all the time. I did when I left the army, you'll, you'll send a thousand resumes to a thousand jobs and you're wasting your time, right? I mean, it seems like you're doing something because you did something right, but you're really wasting your time, right? Because you gotta, you gotta pick the industry that you wanna work in and connect with people on social media or LinkedIn or something, right? Now, of course, does it take time to do that? Yes, but I'm, I'm willing to bet the time doing that way versus blindly sending a resume out is gonna be about the same, same amount of time. And back to being subjective, the example I use, like suppose a company's hiring and there's two people in, in, in for the job. One person interview at 9 a.m., He's qualified, but you know, he's not, he's just barely qualified, right? He just barely qualified, right? And the person at Tube, he's like way, way qualified. He's like the, obviously the, per, the best one for the job, right? So 9 a.m. comes, the four people in the room, it's Monday morning. These four people had a great weekend, right? I mean, it was just great. They're all happy go lucky, you know? I mean, the good mood, whatever. I see where this is going. The 9 a.m., the 9 a.m. person, you know, he messed up a couple of questions, they help him out, they laugh, you know, they have something. And the first person he did his research, so he was able to connect with all four on LinkedIn. His, um, his wife won the interview from the same college. So, you know, that common bond, whatever, right? Great interview. The good feeling, right? So next interview is two. Over lunch, one of the people get a fender bender. Another person, a boss, yells in front of the crowd. And the third person learns the mother-in-law is coming to stay for a month, right? <laughs> so, and the second person... Didn't connect with anyone on LinkedIn, didn't connect with anyone on social media, has no connection, and they're in a bad mood, it goes downhill. And so on paper, even though the first person, the second person get the job, they hire the first person. And it could be something like that. Nothing personal, but I mean, and that's how it is, right? You just gotta take the no and, and learn from it, right? Yeah, I've, uh, so I've, I've had the pleasure or unpleasure of uh, hiring a couple times in, in different roles. And one of the things that... Um, we always had a discussion about was, do we think this person can fit with the team? And it's not That's something that, too. yeah, it's not something that, that gets discussed during the interview. It's not something, it's just something you observe, right? And then afterwards, after the person leaves, you, you, you huddle up and the question always is, do you think they can fit with this team? And yeah. I remember a hire I had a couple of companies ago and this guy had great personality, bubbly, a little quirky, but bubbly. Uh, newest stuff on paper was just a man, resume full of stuff. 
And we winded up hiring him. Um, and I realized the first week that was a horrible hire. I mean, it was just, it was the most basic of computer things. I don't understand how he he went later on after we fired him. It took us three months to fire him just because of bureaucracy. But um, how he got the position he got after that, I have no idea. But just the basics of things, we we quickly realized he he just learned the buzzwords and you know he fooled us and that that was a great one. You know, so he got three months of pay out of us, but. It, it was one of those things where he fit better with the team than another guy who probably knew more. Hey, Dave, I knew you heard the story, but it was, it was like somewhere a few years ago where this guy got hired as a software developer at some big company. He actually outsourced all his work to a Chinese guy. So he's getting paid all the money. He would outsource everything to a Chinese guy. And it's funny, they finally figured out the guy was doing the work the Chinese guy was doing, it, so they fired him. Oh, that's nice. That's, that's, that's clever, though. Well, I wonder how he defended his code, though, because you're not, you're not doing it. Yeah, I, I don't know. And another thing about uh, the hiring thing, like a lot of people tell you, like, was the hire slow, fire fast? Well, no one fires fast, right? No one wants to be the bad person. Oh, it's Christmas. This is birthday, you know? So I always tell you when you want to fire someone, do it sooner or later. Because if you keep them there, you keep them for the next opportunity. And if it came to your mind, this person needs to go, trust me, all the employees already know that person needs to go, right? So just, just do it, right? But having said that, no one does it, you know? And then for the hire slow thing, I'm not a big fan of that either, right? Because like, I'm not so. I'm not saying like meet someone and hire them like in, within minutes, but don't be like Amazon, right? Don't have like six interviews, four, four interviews. You know, the only way you're gonna know if someone works good is they work for you, right? Because the interview process, if you're doing the interviews, you're putting on a false persona. The candidate's putting on a false persona, right? You know, the candidate read all your profiles, what's going on, you know, so it's all fake, right? In, in a matter of speaking, right? Only way to know if they work for you. Mm-hmm. And of course, of course, you have a big company that's going to take a while to get rid of them, you know, but I mean. Well, yeah, I know for, for us, we have, uh, I mean, unless you're, you do something ridiculously crazy, I mean, you have to be putting a performance with a uh, performance improvement plan, mm-hmm. right? Which I think it's like 90 days or something like that. And if you don't improve, then you'll be fired. So even still, you could suck and you're still getting a free 90 days. Yeah. And then with the performance, impro- the performance improvement plans, I know, I do not know if anyone got put on one of those and kept their job. Yeah. I mean, pretty much you put on that, it's just a CRA for the company to quote unquote to do on thing and do, you know, cover their butt, even though most states are at will and you get, you get rid of for anything. But yeah, I, I know of no one, I've never heard anyone who like put on one of those plans, put on, put on one of those plans and kept their job. Cause usually, oh, they think I, you know, I, they think I'm horrible. Well, I'm going to be horrible <laughs> and get all I can these next 90 days, you know? Yeah. You're not going to unarmed. Another thing so. too, when you, when you do your interview, make sure you research your company. So I'll use myself as an example. When I left the army, I was going to interview this job in downtown Seattle for an HR director position. I looked online on the website. So some background on me, like I'm not a big fan of bicyclists, right? Like if you're a kid, you ride a bike, I get it. If you do a trail bike, I get it. But if you're one of these guys or girls or like or females, like ride a bike in downtown Seattle and crisscross traffic and no do your own thing, right? I'm not a big fan, right? And so one of the website in this company, it said, we're all ever bicyclists. We ride a bicycles at work. We do bicycles. I said, no, this is not the place for me, right? Yeah. That's random, but yeah. So def- I've never so heard- definitely research your company. Yeah, I've never heard anybody who didn't like bicycles before. That's that's different. It's not like, it's like, you know, a lot of, to my opinion, like they'll go, you know, go through red lights, cut in front of you, or they'll be in the middle of the road, you know, keeping traffic. Oh, what kills me too here in the Seattle area to have a thing where they ride the bicycles and, and they'll put their toddler in a little compartment behind the bicycles, right? Mm-hmm. And be riding, driving down the main highway. Like, okay, you're, you're on a bicycle, but your toddler behind you riding on the main street with cars zooming back and forth. So back and passing forth, they not just don't get it, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind the of... The point different. is research the company, right? Make sure they're a fit for you. 
And also talking about the interviews, you used to be interviewing them just like they're interviewing you, right? You, right? So you used to be asking them questions. Because you might ask, um, like suppose, suppose you have an a, a annual family reunion every year in June. You should ask, well, what's going on in June? They might say, when month of June, it's all hands on deck, nine or 12 hours a day. And you know, well, maybe that's not a place for you, you know? Yeah, I will say one of my, and when, I, and when I interview potential candidates, one of my biggest things, I think, is when we get to the part where we, we think we know everything there is to know about the candidate. We've talked all, through all the technical stuff, and we got a good idea. Not a, not a great idea because we haven't huddled yet, but we have a pretty good idea of all the information we need. And then I say, okay, do you have any questions for us? One of my biggest pet peeves is when they go, no, nah, I have no questions. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's, that's the, definitely the wrong thing to do. There should be plenty of questions. Like I think one good question I can should ask uh, the, the the interview panel, like, because odds are most interview panels like four people. Odds are your your if you get hired, you feature a boss on a panel. You should ask for my boss. What do I need to do to get my boss a gold star, right? Or what can I do to like make my boss look good, right? Because the boss is going to say, "Oh, this person isn't work for me yet, and they're already thinking of ways to make you look better." You know. Mm-hmm. One of the questions I ask uh, sometimes when I well back when the last time I interviewed, I'll ask. So so tell me about. The, the dark secrets. Tell me what makes you unhappy about here. That's, yeah, the pet peeves, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a good one. You just have to, there's no way you can go into an interview and not have questions. It just doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense. Some kind of basic research or, you know, like, what's going to be the challenge for the next 90 days or, you know, how do people like communicate around here or whatever the case may be, you know? Yeah, I've had a, I've had a guy come in. Um, actually, we, we didn't hire him when we were hiring before the coronavirus. And we interviewed him and, and the question he asked, so, Am I able to work from home two days a week? And so my answer to him was, well, yeah, you know, after some time you get ramped up, sure, you can work from home two days a week. And I'm very flexible as a manager, so if you need to work from home, work from home. But he said, no, no, I need to like immediately work from home because I have this, this, and this going on. I can't remember what it was now. And my one of my one side of my thought was, well, at least he's honest about that. In the interview, it's kind of tough for me. Like you're you're basically coming and saying I need to work from home from the beginning. That's kind of tough for me. But at least it was honest. It was a question that, you know, yeah. if you've got, like you said, if you've got a family reunion in June, you kind of want to know if they're going to be flexible enough to let you go to that. So, in, in one hand, it kind of took me back, but on the other hand, I'm like, well, you know, he's honest. He, if that's what he needs to do, at least he's telling us so we can consider that as part of hiring him. Yeah, but hiring is not easy. Another thing, too, like you have these people on LinkedIn, I'm a hiring expert. No, you're not. No one's a hiring expert. Like, no one gets it 100, right 100% of the time. Yeah, I just I just told you the story about my worst hire ever. It, it still haunts me to this day that I got fooled that bad. So, no nobody's a hiring expert. All right. So, oh, just just a quick follow up. Some something we were talking about probably about ten minutes ago. So, you know, in this new environment, you know, networking is, is tough. Like there's there's meetup groups for all types of things across the industries industries. But outside of you know virtual types of Skype and and all the other venues and, and methods to, to virtually chat these days. How do you see people networking now? I mean, mainly it's like many virtual meetings, like meetups and stuff like that as the things going on, you know. And another thing too, I'll say like a lot of people who really mess up on their job search, like suppose I'm an HR person, like I should not be going to other HR meetups, right? Is another HR person going to hire me? No, I should be going to like tech meetups, marketing meetups. You should be going to meetups where you, people don't know you, right? To build a network. And another rule of thumb is like, if you're either starting a business or look for a job, you should be meeting one new person a day. Is that realistic? Maybe, maybe not. Like, I'm not saying like, you know, have a three hour meeting with them, but somehow a LinkedIn connection or some way you should be meeting one new person a day all, all, for the most part. Even if you have a job, I don't know a lot of people, I have a job, I've been 10 years, nothing will happen to me. Trust me, sooner or later, you, you, you're going to leave that job, right? 
And so I'm not saying like network all the time, but at least once a month or once a week, you should be still be networking, right? Because mm-hmm. yep. um, I have a good friend. She has a recruiting company in Cleveland, Ohio. And she used to tell me when Corona first hit, this person and I heard from like four years hit her up. Hey, I just lost my job. Can I come work for you? And she's like, are you kidding me? Right? Have heard for four years. Like, uh, no, you know. So you definitely got to you got definitely got to build a network up. You should always be building your network up, and it can be something simple like going to meet up um, your church, your softball. I mean, someone knows someone, right? I mean, and another thing too, like on LinkedIn, people say, "Oh, I will connect with you unless you send me like two page paragraph what you want." Most people just simple to say, you know, "Hi, how you doing?" I can connect with you. They're gonna most of them's gonna say yes. I mean, you're gonna have some jerky jerks who are gonna say. No, or some mess like that, but most part they, they want to connect to you, and most part people want to help you out too. You know, especially in today's today's time and what's going on. But what like the, Wayne Gretzky said, you miss one hundred percent of shots you don't take. So you, I mean, you have to ask for help, no matter what it is. Yeah, and, I, and on LinkedIn, I pretty much accept every request as long as there's some sort of mutual connection there. But one thing I, I, I've started doing years ago, as far as networking is concerned, is all those LinkedIn groups. You know, there, there's tech groups for all all different industries. Mm-hmm. I've I joined as many as I could, and the thing is, not just joining those groups, but commenting on some of the articles yes. and some of the posts, like getting your your face out there, especially the local ones to you. Because yeah, the, you just can't you just can't like you gotta make a comment. Yeah, because it shows your expertise. It shows that you're engaged. It shows that this is something that's interesting to you. And then when they have meetups or something spins off and they're actually having like a happy hour or something like that, you can walk up to somebody and say, hey, I'm Dave or hey, I'm Jason. And they're like, oh, you, this, this guy, you know, it, it's, it starts a familiarity before you actually meet the person. Yeah. And you make a good point about LinkedIn. In, in, days, in today's time and day and age, everyone needs a personal brand. I don't care who you are. Like, I don't care if you're like, you know, a restaurant employee or your own business, you need a personal brand. You need to be on and especially you look for a job and you have a blog. Like if I was looking for a job now, I would have a blog. Pretty much blog every day what I'm doing for my job search and post on LinkedIn, right? You, I mean, you have to put yourself out there. Now, I'm not saying like you, you don't have to be Gary Vee or Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan, you know, but like, like, I, like I tell people, if someone Googles you, something should come up, you know, something positive should come up, right? And like, I'm not saying you have to be everywhere. Like maybe you're a good writer, but you don't like being on video because you, you don't like your talking voice. Just do a blog, right? Or maybe you can't write well. Well, get on Instagram, right? But you need to be on this somewhere, especially on LinkedIn. Like you have to be, you should be on LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. Now with LinkedIn, like the good thing about LinkedIn, everyone, everyone can post. The bad thing, of course, is everyone can post, right? Absolutely. So definitely a lot of noise on there. So with LinkedIn, you definitely got to make use of hashtags so the right people see what you want. But I definitely say, I mean, you got to be on social media. Gotcha. And I, and I keep thinking of follow-up questions, but I don't want to keep you all day. Um, so, no, I, mean, I, got, I got plenty of time, to be honest with you. We can do this however long you want to. <laughs> gotcha. So, well, on that note, so talking about social media and the hiring process, there's some companies who don't do any investigations, don't look for social media at all for people. But for the ones that do, what do they typically look for and, and are shy away from, if you will? So this is me, me. Like, like when I was hiring for, the, for, uh, for trying to see foods and Highline College, like, I don't care what you put on Facebook or whatever, you know, I, I don't care, like, there's a video of you like drinking a case of beer and doing whatever. What I do care about is you're not smart enough. I don't have a good enough judgment to make your social media private. Like, I don't care what you do. I mean, I didn't care what you did. Right. But you tell me, you don't know you make it private. Like it's not the whole world to see. So now if I hire you, somebody might look at your might go to our employees list and click on your social media. Oh, this company supports their employees doing this. You know, and like, you know, so yeah. 
Well, we, I mean, we've got so many examples of that in the in the past weeks and, and months. So, yeah. But having said that, like, you know, I think most companies are, are going to go through your social media. They might not say they don't, but you have to assume they do. You have to assume you're hiring, you look for a job. They're going to go through your social media. They're going to Google your name. They're going to go through your social media. They're going to look at your Facebook account, you know. And that's another thing, like on Facebook, I know, like, make sure that you do it where people cannot tag you and it just goes into their Facebook feed, right? Make it where you have to, where they had, where someone tags you, they have to give, you have to give them your permission first, right? Cause last thing you need is like something, something happened back in high school or college and someone finds an old photo and they put it over Facebook and tag you. And next thing you know, is like, what is this, right? Yeah, I definitely had that turned on, on my, uh, my security. You're not just going to tag me in some random photo. Yeah, but social media, it can be a curse and a blessing, you know, but you definitely got control. You got to use it for your, for your, to, um, to help you out. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So we'll end the Q and a there. And so what we'll do now, we'll, we'll move into what I call uh, first thoughts. And for anybody just tuning in for the first time to my podcast, first thoughts is exactly what it sounds like. It's the first thoughts for a phrase or a word that I'm going to give Jason. And, and so the questions, uh, some of the questions that I, uh, we, we had prior to this, um, Jason was privy to uh, before, this this interview, but you know follow ups you can't account account for, and and it seems like every episode I get I get more and more follow ups. It's just it's just the progression of this podcast. But first thoughts, he's, he has no idea what I'm going to ask. Typically, they uh, fall into the category categories that we're discussing. Sometimes they won't, but uh, here we go. All right, so we we actually talked about this, uh, and it might be a rehash of what we just said. But one of my first thoughts was going to be LinkedIn. So if I say LinkedIn to you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Hate and love. I love it because it's LinkedIn. I mean, it's a great resource, great way to connect with people, great way to like, you know, get business leads, um, all the topics some. So a good way to make connections. So I have like 23,000 connections on LinkedIn, right? And where I built it so much, there's a, um, there's a, um, what's it called? An app called DuckSoup. DuckSoup lets you take Sales Navigator, which costs a little bit more money, and build on your search. And you can do like what I did. I was like, I did a build on your search. Small business owners, founders, and CEOs are coming to this foreign or less in, say, Pennsylvania. I did that search, and like, what's it like 500 small business owners pop up? Then that soup lets you send an automated message to all those people, right? Wow. So I live for, I live for stuff like that. And just like people posting stuff and learn the great things people are doing. I hate it because it's, it's not user friendly, it's not intuitive. You know, it's like, like, for example, it's like one of my pet peeves. If you're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Periscope, whatever, Snapchat, day one, no followers, you get access to the live. LinkedIn is like, how they even like decide who does live, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I know one person who's been on Facebook, LinkedIn for like six months, has like 100 connections, has posted no videos anywhere. And they gave him this person like uh, LinkedIn live um, access. Now someone else has like 20,000 LinkedIn connections has a YouTube live, Twitch live, posts videos all the time. And they told him, no, don't apply it again. We're, gonna, we're not going to prove you right. So hmm. I, I just want my pet peeves, right? Of what the thought process is there, right? Now, of course, another thing I'll say, um, I'm, I'm like team hate Microsoft, right? Hashtag hate Microsoft. Okay. So I'll probably blame it on the main part of the Microsoft team, Microsoft now too, right? But LinkedIn has always been like that, you know? Like, it's great. They do good things. They know, do stuff like, what, what are you thinking here, you know? But one thing, if you look for a job, a small business owner, you got to be on LinkedIn, right? I mean, all the recruiters on there, every recruiter I know sources from LinkedIn. I mean, you have to, if you look for a job, you have to be on LinkedIn. 
and it has to be more than you know your name, uh, no profile photo. You have to like really think it out and like cause a lot of recruiters are going through your LinkedIn profiles. Another thing with recruiters too, they have they call it's called a LinkedIn recruiter light. They do bullying searches, so they do all these keywords, and if that keyword is not in your profile, you're not going to come up. So keyword search is definitely a big thing for recruiters on LinkedIn. But yeah, you have to be on LinkedIn if you look for a job. And even if you don't, even if you're not looking for a job, go there like once in a while, like update something, right? Be be an active member of the community. But like I said, I hate it too. But it's the, it's the only thing out there. You know, it's the best thing, so you got to be on it. Yeah, and speaking of being active, like one of the things you said earlier where, you know, if somebody was in the Army, they, they it kind of piqued your interest, or somebody was in student government, piqued your interest, you know, put your activities, put your non-work activities on there, things you might be involved in, fraternities. That's a big thing, yeah. yeah. Put your volunteer stuff on there, you know, like suppose you're a volunteer uh, soccer coach or whatever the case may be, because you never know what someone else has done, right? You never know what that connection is, you know? And also, too, when you go to do an interview, you look up people on LinkedIn, like, oh, he's a soccer coach, too. We can, it's something we can shoot the breeze about while we're, you know, while we're doing this interview. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, uh, next first thought. So, company bonuses. I'm personally against them. Reason being, stats show they, do, they don't do it serve the purpose, right? Because usually, stats show you give someone a bonus. Everyone else on the team, but like, man, he don't deserve a bonus. You know, I did the best I could. And I wasn't good enough, so I was my, my best is not good enough. So I'll just do average, right? And then the purpose of the bonus, oh, I got a bonus. I can kind of take a break now, right? Now, of course, there's this speaking generalities. You know, sometimes they do work. But I just, I just think they make too much of a um, us versus them mentality, you know, in my opinion. You know, so I'm not a big fan of them. I know some companies, they, they work for some companies. I just, I think you need to, I think you have to base on your labor market. I think everything has to be tied to your labor market and the performance. Because then, too, depending on what your business is, oh, we're going to compete for a bonus. And then you have the thing where it's like a, what's called a cutthroat uh, environment in your workplace, you know, where someone is purposely makes someone else look bad, you know, and mm-hmm. I think it gets where the team environment. Like I said, it's not every case, but you know, that's what I think, you know, so I, I, I would not use them. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. There's uh, I could think of a company I worked for before where bonuses <laughs> are very cutthroat, very, very cutthroat. All right. So next first thought, unemployment. Man, that's, that's a good one. Um, in today's age, there really, if you do it right, there should be no unemployment. There's just too many opportunities out there, you know, right? I don't care. You, you have some kind of skill. Uh, you, know, you might not think you have a skill, but there's something you know how to do well that someone wants, wants you to pay, pay for, right? I mean, look at Upwork, um, Fiverr, all the gig economies, you know. There's so many things you do, like the YouTube channel, like there's people in making like hundreds of thousands of dollars on YouTube channels, right? Mm-hmm. I've been following this guy um, in New York City named Brent, Brent Conti. His YouTube channel, his YouTube channel is nothing but like travel in New York City. He, he did like a YouTube video of uh, how he makes the money. Last year, he made $175,000 after taxes, right? Mm. Doing YouTube videos. Now, of course, he's pretty good at it, right? But there's, I mean, here's a perfect example. So when I work at Try to Seafoods in Alaska, we always had trouble getting people to come work there, right? Most of our workers came from either the Philippines or Kenya or Somalia or two or three other African countries, right? Now, the challenge is, it's not easy to work, right? Um, it's like six. So first of all, if there's no fish, you know, there's no work. But usually there's lots of fish, right? So you're working eight, 16 hour days and you're doing like the same thing. You stand on your feet and you kind of sing fish over and over again, right? But people there, they were easily bringing six, $7,000 a month, right? Easily, right? Mm-hmm. 
we could never get any Americans to go there. Maybe a few, but never any Americans. So perfect example, a lot of, a lot of the uh, people from the Philippines, the whole family will work there, right? So suppose there's like six people in the family. They will work six months on, six months off, right? So three would be there, three back home. And back home, they would have like mansions in the Philippines, right? Another example, I had a good friend, uh, Rico, Rafael Rico. He lives in um, Harlingen, Texas, right? He, he works in Alaska six, six months a year. He has like a pretty much a mansion down in South Texas, right? And we can never have anyone find fill the jobs, right? And I mean, that's, that's opportunity, right? No, but don't get me wrong. It's not easy to work, right? It's it kind of, it, I mean, it, it sucks, right? You stand up all the time. Um, I mean, they, they will give you, you know, free food is paid for, housing is paid for, but you're in the Loose Islands. There's like one small bar. Like there's nothing to do. Basically, you're working 16 hour days, eating, sleeping, you know, so not, it's hard work, but after each fish season, like maybe four months. After four months, you could easily have $20,000, right? Hmm. And all the money you save by not doing all the stuff, right? But we can never get, you know, any like quote unquote Americans to come up there, right? We'd always have to go to the Philippines or I think they're called third, third country, like third world countries, right? So there's opportunities like that out there, you know, um, the gig economy. I mean, there's so, so many things. I mean, go back old school, right? You know, cut people's grasses, you know? I mean, just, there's so many things. So something. Something. Yeah. There's something. So there's there's something you can do. It could be like you. Yeah. There's so many things out there. And it's funny that that's the story you you referenced. So my after my freshman year in college, I, somebody asked me if I wanted to do um, the the fishing in Alaska, and I was I was nobody can see what I'm doing obviously, but I, I was this close to taking it because it was like for a three month, which is basically beginning of summer to the the ripe fall, trying to go back to school. And it was like, it was going to pay me something like, you know, 20000 or $15,000, yeah. something like that. I'm a 17, 18-year-old kid. I mean, come on, I'll take that for the summer. But I yeah, decided It's good to, money. Yeah. Yeah. And those, and those things about Alaska, like, like you get a lot of overtime. Like most states, it's overtime, like after you work 40 hours. In Alaska, like suppose Monday's the first day of your work, or the work week. Suppose you work 11 hours on Monday, those three hours count as overtime. So in Alaska, it's anything over eight per day in the 40 hours. Mm-hmm. So you're getting paid overtime like crazy, right? Nice. I need to go to Alaska. <laughs> All right. So next first thought, early retirement. So I can only speak for myself. I don't believe retirement, right? Like me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken. Like I'm not, I'm not a young buck, but I have all this fire, all this focus, right? I, I can't see retiring, you know? Some people, it's for them, you know, but I, I think every time we're like now, the life expectancy for us in America is like 80, 85 years, right? And so like you retire at 55, 60, you start 20 years of your life, you know, you're just going to, sit on the porch and fish. Like, come on now. I mean, it's for some people. Don't be wrong. You know, it's for some people, but it's not for me. Right. I, I don't think retirement's there. And then with social security, you know, sooner or later it's going to go out the window, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, it's going to last a couple more generations. But I think if you're working right now, you should not even plan on having your social security, right. You should plan on doing, making it all, making it all up yourself. Yeah. So I just don't believe in retirement. I just think, like me, I just have too much focus and fire, you know, like I did a podcast. Someone asked me, what would you do if you won't have you on a startup? Well, I'd probably go work with someone else to start up. Right. I just, I would do something like. Yeah, that was a, that was a throw in a wild card. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to see what your opinion was popped in my head when I was coming up with him. I said, let me see what he thinks about retirement. All right. So uh, next first thought. So if we talk about certifications and training. And you kind of mentioned it a little earlier, but certifications and trainings, which, which are first thoughts on that? I think they can, they can be good. I mean, some industry definitely need it, right? Like if you're driving like a, a semi truck, you know, 18 wheeler, hopefully that person has a CDL, right? You know, if you're, if you're, if you're flying United, hopefully you have a, a pilot's license, right? 
So things, some things I think you need them to do, but like, like HR, they really need to be certified, you know, maybe, maybe not. Right. I mean, and of course, you know, there's things, things like, you know, plumbers, you know, you won't have a license, but, but on, on opposite end, like, like we'll say, uh, uh barbers or, 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 or hair salon people, right. Do they really need a license? Like, do you really need a license to cut hair? Like if I go to you and you mess my hair up, I'm not going to go back to you. Right. Regardless if you have a license or not. Right. True. So do you, do you really need one? So sometimes I see a license just like a bureaucracy from local governments, so to speak. Yeah, for me in, in IT, um, you know, I started in industry so ground ground floor. I kind of worked my way up. My experience told more than certifications would. And so I've never pursued this. Well, I've pursued it in a sense that I've studied for the test. I've never actually taken any of the tests. But it's just always, in my industry, there's so much technology turnover where every year, every six months, there's new releases, new yeah. technology, things that I've got to learn anyway. So a certification... Yeah, your, industry, gonna... your industry, things change so much, like from year to year. Like, it's like you get a certification or whatever. It's like your, your next year is like, absolutely, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of times with Microsoft, I know you hate Microsoft, but a lot of times with Microsoft certifications, they only last two years, especially in my industry. So they change their software almost every year. So you're yeah. almost obsolete after half the lifespan of the certification anyway. So... It, certifications are interesting. It's never something I, I thought about doing that much. I'll do training a lot, but I won't do certification. It's just, it's pointless to me. Yeah. I think certifications too, a lot, like they boost people, they do a good job of boosting some people's ego up too. Like, oh, um, X, X, X certified, right? So I think it boosts up your people's egos. Well, let me, let me clarify. So I, I don't think they're pointless. I think for what I do and for what certain people do, especially in IT, they may be pointless. Now for people who get really granular, and I apologize for the Mr. Softy in the background, if anybody can hear that. But for some people who get really granular in technology, like routers and, and, and you know circuit boards and that types of thing, maybe certifications might be more important. But when you're talking about data, to me, data, and that's an industry I work in, data is just data. It's just what I do with it, how I'm able to use some software built by Microsoft or Cisco or Unix or whatever to, to move it from A to B. Yeah, now some certifications you need, right? Because my cousin, she has an electrical company in San Antonio. So if you're a lineman, you have to be certified, right? You just can't like, like walk up an electrical uh, line and start working on electrical lines, right? So yeah, yeah. some certifications are, are definitely needed. Yeah, some too for insurance purposes. Like you know, like you just said, they probably need that as well for insurance purposes because you yes. can't you can't be able to line and electrocute yourself and then you go, yeah, he wasn't certified, and <laughs> somebody, yeah, that's not going to work too well. All right, so last first thought. And this is sort of kind of on the line, a little spinoff, but one of the things I've seen, this is kind of not going to be a, a, a single word, it's going to kind of be a little diatribe, but one of the things I've seen a lot recently, and I see a lot with the younger people, is when they select their college majors, they select majors that are either super saturated when they come out of school, or there's just not that much opportunity because there's so few people who do it that the people who are doing it already are really good at it or established and tenured and all that, so... The first thought is actually college major and, and speaking more so about choices. And what do you think and how that impacts the industry and the, and the workforce? I don't think college major matters anymore. I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to think right now. I can't think of anyone I know with a college degree who's actually working in that field, right? Exactly. I mean, it's, I, it doesn't matter. And, and, and like, I think agree, college doesn't determine you're going to do, do a good job. The only thing college really does is like, can you put up with this for four or five, four or five years, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's all it is, right? I mean, so I don't think college degree matters. Now, of course, if you want to be a doctor or a scientist, you know, that matters. But if you want to be a business person, it doesn't matter if you have a business degree or marketing or a philosophy degree, probably not. If you want to be a business person, it's probably more important to get a lot of great internships at, at different companies, you know, versus your degree. 
yeah, mean, yeah. yeah learn the I, industry. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't very, very do people like get a degree in, you know, whatever it is and, oh, and go right into that thing, you know. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I push. So with the mentoring I do is one of the reasons I push um, uh, technical schools or um, what are they called? Not vocational, but the, the where you do the hands-on stuff. I figure what they're called. Yeah, right that now. the coding academies, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because you know, people who are really good at that, they can take that and do anything with it. And the same, you know, it's like when people used to go to college. What's the other one um, that used to be really popular back in the day? I can't think of it right now. But communication was a huge one. Yeah. And then you come out of college, and it's like, okay, well, now what the hell am I going to do with this degree? Yeah, no. You get a communication degree, and that can go start working for CNN for day one, right? Yeah, yeah. And no offense, to anybody who has a communication degree. I'm just saying, I don't know anybody who has a communication degree and went and just took over the world after they got out of college. You know, it's just usually I've, the people I know with communications degree are immediately looking for work, and they're looking for work for a pretty long time. Yeah, I think the biggest thing about college is not the degree you get, but the, but the network you build up, right? The connections you make, like do internships. You know, meet people. You know, I mean, just you know, use that. Like, I mean. You're going to be alumni at the college and take advantage of the alumni network they have there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you go to a great school with a great alumni network, I mean, you you can just come out and it doesn't matter what your degree is, you can contact with some people and you'll find a great career. Yeah, and some colleges definitely have better networks than other ones. Yeah, for sure. Um, Penn State over here on the East Coast, they I think they have the largest alumni network in the country. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I have a but, friend of mine, he'll, he'll tell you, if, if it isn't true, he'll tell you it is true. Trust me. <laughs> All right, so that was the, the last first thought. So what I'd like to do now is uh, give you an opportunity to, uh, if you want to promote anything or anything you have going on, feel free to tell the people about it and how to follow you and all that stuff. Okay, so first thing, like I said, I'm, I'm a city leader of Bunker Labs. We're a nonprofit based out of Chicago, and we have military veterans, military spouses, you know, start companies, like help the entrepreneur journey. Like we have like hook them up with like networking, you know, something as simple as like a business name, like, People don't realize how hard it is even to do a business name, right? Because you do a business name, you have to make sure you have the .com, .io, .co. Make sure you can get on LinkedIn, Facebook, all that kind of stuff, you know. How to do a logo. What's, do you even know Google Analytics? It's all those basic stuff, right, you know. So we have one thing called Launch Lab Online. It's like a two-month online course. And then we have a thing called Veterans and Residents. So Veterans and Residents is a partnership with WeWork where WeWork gives 10 people free space in 25 WeWorks across the nation. So we started next court, court, like July 1st. So basically the 10 people in each city get free space for six months. And on top of that, the access to all the rework access, as, rework uh, networks and, and bunker labs. So example, the building I'm in now in Seattle, in here in Seattle building, this rework labs in here and Flatiron is in access to that too. And if you get accepted, of course you get 24-7 access to the rework building you're in, but you also get access to every rework in the world. Like you might work in Seattle, and it's time I'm gonna go to work in Philadelphia access to that, right? Okay. And some other things like that. So it's a big thing I do. It's like it's part of like volunteer give back stuff. And then for my own company, my company called Cabinets HR, the HR of a company is for now less people. And and the and the master plan is like having this thing AI, have like AI, a voice active AI platform. So a platform, the basic platform is 50% done. So we're looking for beta users for that and just users in general. And we started our we started raising recently. So for that's kind of bad timing. We start like going all out on customer acquisition and fundraising, right? We're in all this stuff at right, so kind of bad time, but we know it is what it is. Um, and then also the podcast, Jason Cabbage Experience. So I talk to small business owners, founders, other interesting people. So other interesting people could be any anything. So, so in a couple of weeks, I'm talking to a man named Quentin Morris. 
he's uh he 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 teaches violent violence violent violent he's like what well, master violinist i don't know what the correct term is but he teaches um he's been like he went to juilliard he's like been all the great place he came back home to auburn washington now he teaches violence to like um like uh what's the word i'm looking for um underprivileged kids right okay so he's gonna he's gonna be on a couple of weeks so a couple of people like that you know and plus if you have something you want to sell or just talk it's a good it's a good experience right a good you could do, good, do a good job of promoting that okay cool that's, i mean that's all good stuff um so real quick talk about uh your personal motto be great every day so when i say be great every day, i don't mean like you know oh you gotta be done to done great every day but no do something do at least one something every day right to improve yourself right it means something small you can be whatever it is like do Make yourself better. Make the people around you better, right? Like, just be great. You know, have an attitude. Or like, don't wake up, oh, today sucks again. Or, oh, it's another It's another Friday. Or it's another Monday, you know? Like, be, I mean, do something with your life. Be great every day. Yeah, that's, that's a great model. Great model. I, I like to say um, life is short. Decisions are long. And so, yeah. you know, the, the, the choices you make today impact you in ways you can't even imagine. So why not? Start out making the right choices. Do the right things. Live the right life. So many people don't realize that, though. Yeah. All right, Jason. It's been a pleasure. I hope that uh, you've enjoyed being in Dave's head. Uh, we covered yes. some great things. I would definitely, hopefully, like to have you back soon to, to talk some more. Uh, we, we actually have yes. some more topics to discuss, as we know. Um, so, again, thank you for taking your time out, and have a good one. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Cow. experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you and remember to be great every day. You know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up. Don't you know, pump it up.